Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. Today, I will be discussing Tubal Cain, the descendant of Cain, and how that leads into uh, modern-day Freemasonry of of, um, today. Now, when I'm talking about Freemasonry, right, we're talking about the most higher upper echelon levels of it. We're not talking about um, your local Masonic lodges. Which, in essence, if somebody wants to climb, because there's so many degrees to climb, if somebody manages to make it out of those basic levels and eventually becomes like the make the grand master mason of the lodge and then eventually graduates to 33 and all of this, especially 33rd degree, you start to know more about the truth. They don't tell them everything walking in the door. And some people just go in there, do their little whatever and come out. So this is why you have some people who have a hard time believing that Freemasonry is connected to something darker because they had their fathers or their great-grandfathers or grandpas go. And uh, as far as they're concerned, they're decent people, okay? Whatever. But we're not talking about them. I just want to make that clear. So um, when we're talking about Tubal Cain, Cain's descendant, we're going to always have to go back to the beginning or at least uh, where the story of... Um, Cain is, and that is in the book of Genesis. So the story of Cain and Abel is in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read that now. Genesis chapter 4. It says here, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain, and, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and unto his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be, um, I'm sorry, my page is is folded. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt be ruler over him. Okay, now we're going into the murder of Abel. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Okay, and the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Now we're going into the curse of Cain. Okay. And he said, What hast thou done? Thy voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Which I always found fascinating. I just wanted to just take a quick side note about him saying here that your brother's, uh, not that God is not all-seeing and all-knowing and omnipotent, but the way he says that the voice of thy brother's blood crieth to me from the ground. It's almost as if how, like, you know, DNA was never a thing. And then when DNA became a thing, it's kind of like it's almost impossible. Like the DNA doesn't lie, blood doesn't lie, that kind of stuff. So there is something, you know, there is a truth in it because they say the life is in the blood as well. So just because the the body might be gone, and, and, and it might just be a vessel, the blood, you know, if it's still in the ground and it's still wet or, wet or active, then yeah, you know, that's where the life float. According to scripture, life is in the blood. So it goes on to say in verse 11, chapter 4 in Genesis, 
and now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. So when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. Um, a, fugitive, a fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto my Lord, my, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Uh, two more verses and it's done. Uh, and it says, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth. And from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any man <clears throat> finding him should kill him. Now, it is also said in some Jewish texts that that is because vengeance on Cain will be the Lord's. Okay, so that no man should touch Cain, even though he was the first murderer that, you know. But Cain dies anyway, but it's not necessarily in the vengeance of um what happens. I mean, we're all human and we all die. So... Well, we thought I, I, I thought Cain was full human. <laughs> I'm going to correct that. As we go on, we're going to see what's, what's really going on here. And so that's pretty much, th that's what we knew. Okay. So we know that after Abel was killed, we know that Cain was banished. Once he was banished, he could no longer till the ground. This is why he became uh, a, a builder. He started becoming, I guess you could say, like masonry. Really, really like the, the, the first mason, so to speak. Because I wouldn't say... Our people, or Israelite people, was people of the tents, but they were. You know, I'm not saying they did, but they were. <laughs> and so there was temples and, and the kingdoms and palaces. You know, they had, they, they had, they lived well, but, you know, I don't know that they had uh, erected whole cities. So he was erecting whole cities. Now, here is where things get interesting is when you go to the descendants of Cain, because although we're talking about Cain, and the reason why I'm talking about Cain is because in the previous episode, we had made the connection to uh, Cain. Uh, Freemasonry, Hiram and Biff, their main central um, character as far as the, the first Grand Master Mason, the connection to Solomon's Temple, and also finding out that Hiram and Biff, uh, according to their legend, is a descendant of Tubal Cain and Cain. So what I'm doing now is trying to just dig back more into that and see uh, make more connections between Cain, Tubal Cain, and then eventually lead that up post-flood to how... Uh, this knowledge that Mason is working with today, not just Solomon's temple and, and, the, and the, the Solomon's keys, the greater keys, the lesser keys, and the books of Solomon that they're using in Kabbalah and Masonry, but also some of this um, pre-flood knowledge, uh, how they're using it today and how they symbolize it in their work today. This is the connection I'm going to be making. So now if we go to Genesis chapter 4, verses 16 through 26. We have the descendants. There's a lot I want to say about this. Isn't, and I want people uh, to be very careful here when I'm reading this genealogy. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 16, <clears throat> it says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. Now, this is where they start. The, the crap, okay? No, this is where they start. And what I mean by start, I mean Cain's line. Because we have talked about in the previous episode, so it should already be understanding, but I will bring that up again in more Jewish uh, rabbinical uh, works, how it's discussed that they understand that Cain's father was a fallen angel. 
that uh, it snuck into the garden and seduced Eve. Okay, so that's not even a question. But what you have then is that from the gate, and before I go on to this, I might as well just go back there. From the gate, as soon as this happened, when you had the fall of man, you had the curse put on everybody, okay? And the curse was that he would put, God would put enmity. This is uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed, thy seed, between thy seed and her seed, immediately they're talking about a seed, okay? And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise its heel. And this is supposed to be a foreshadowing that through the woman, somehow, through her genetics and through her genetics and her bloodline, the Messiah would come through. Meanwhile, you had, uh, none, no child is here yet. There's no, Adam and Eve have no child. But at the same time, while she's prophesied to have a bloodline come through, a royal priesthood bloodline come through her genetics, the satanic uh, figure here is also promised a seed line. And that seed line and her seed line, this is supposed to be the Antichrist. It's supposed to be, the Antichrist is supposed to be coming through a line. Because the devil likes to mock everything that the Messiah does, or that the gods does, I should say, not the Messiah, that God does. Because he likes to imitate God and likes to think that he is God and that he is going to be God, okay? So what we have here is him trying to copy the lineage of Seth a little bit, so that when sometimes people read, they get confused. Because you, you hear Enoch, we only think of one Enoch. So sometimes if you're not paying attention, it's going to say exactly what it says here. In Genesis uh, chapter 4, verse 16, or I should say 17, where it says, And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. Okay, And it says, And he builded a city, and called the name of that city after his son Enoch. Now it says, um, and unto Enoch was born Irad. Now it says Irad here, but you're going to find that there's a Jared on Seth's line. So when you start to put the genealogies together, especially when you do a family tree, you're going to start to see that on Cain's side, on, and as in, uh, on a connection to Seth's side, some of these names start to sound alike. They even have a Methuselah on that side. It's as if they started to try to play around with people. So if you heard Methuselah or if you heard Enoch or if you heard Cain, you just started to think, Two and one is the same, but it's not. And that's a very big deal because I see some people teaching things. They're talking about Enoch was related to Cain. And I'm like, that's not the same Enoch. <laughs> that's two different Enochs. So you got to watch yourself there. But anyway, it says, unto Enoch was born Irad. There's a Jared on the other side. And then it says, um, Irad begot Mahujalel. And I think on the other side is uh, Mahaliel. Okay. And then it says, um... Mahaliel begot Methuselah, but in some translation it says Methuselah, just like there's a Methuselah on the other side, on the on the on the pious side of Seth, the the, the um, side or the lineage that came in to replace Abel, seeing as Cain, the devil, tried to immediately cancel out God's plan of this promise, or at least delay her. You know, you at least delay her from this uh, promise of making this genetic bloodline that's going to be the royal priesthood that was going to be, you know, lead us to the Messiah, the Lion of Judah. So now, um, and next, <laughs> this one is the other one, Methuselah, uh, Methuselah begot Lamech, because there's a Lamech on the other side as well. Okay, later, I'll, I'll read the um, descendants of um, Seth. Just so you could get an idea what I'm talking about. 
it says that uh, Seth first was Enos, or Enoch, but Enos. But Enos is, uh, Enoch was on the first side for Cain, I mean. It says Enos. It says after Enos, uh, there was Canaan. Okay, then after Canaan, there was Mahalalil. Mahalalil is the one that I told you on the other sound, on the other side, sounded very similar to Mahajael. Okay, and then it says after that, he beget Jared. But there's Irad over here. And then after that, Jared begot Enoch. That's the Enoch that we know. That is the pious Enoch that was uh, translated up and God took him. And he's now Metatron in heaven. And then it says after Jared was Methuselah. After Methuselah, it says Methuselah begot Enoch. And then Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for he took him. And that specific standout uh, notation is on this side of genealogy. But like I'm telling you, some people don't do their homework. They're just going to look. And after and after Enoch, it says that um, Lamech was uh, Methuselah's son. So you have Methuselah, Lamech, Enoch. All of these are similar names. I just feel like this was the way that the devil is already trying to. <laughs> it didn't work. It doesn't, you know. But anyway, we're going to move on from there. I was like. Why this is important, though, I didn't just want to point that out, is because when you get down to Lamech, the Lamech on Cain's side, remember, there's two Lamechs. When you get to the Lamech down on Cain's side, in chapter 4, Genesis, chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 16, but now I'm going to jump down to verse 18, because this is where we start to talk about Tubal Cain's parents, or uh, Tubal Cain and the line of Cain's genealogy as his descendant. So in verse 18, it says, And unto Enoch was born Irad. And Irad began Mahujael, and Mahujael begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamech. And Lamech took upon him two wives. The names of one was Ada, and the one of the other was Zillah. And it says, Ada bare Jabal. Jabal was the father of, of such that dwell in tents, and such as have cattle. And they said the name of his brother was Jubal, and he was the father of those who play the harp, uh, some uh, music, okay? And then it went on to say, in verse 22, that Zillah also bared to Bocain. And it says, an instructor of every artificer and brass and iron, and uh, the sister of Tubalcane was Nama. Now, Nama... Is, Mo, is Noah's wife, excuse me, not Moses, is Noah's wife, who also went unto the ark. So the next thing we're going to be talking about is um, how did Cain manage to survive post-flood if his descendants were working with the Watchers, mixed with the Watchers, technically became the first kind of like witches or occult people of the earth, you know, literally, you know, working with the roots and the, and the magic and the spells and iron casting and everything. There, were, there, were, there was nothing astrology, things in the stars, constellation, basically all the hidden knowledge that was given to the watchers that were supposed to stay with them. But since they did not keep their original inhabitation, you know, like they say in Peter and came down and uh, it, it basically no longer on the other side. They want men to just, it's like giving babies scissors to run around with and play. Like, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Here, little baby, here's a book of matches. Like, here, you want some gasoline with that too? I'll show you how to do it. You know, like, like that. It's just like, here, just play with all these things that are dangerous for you because in order to um, 
in order to uh, destroy them. But they didn't stop there. Satan did not stop there. He also decided to do what? Not was it enough to just kill Abel and try to slow Eve down from starting her seed line that would lead to the Messiah. But by the time she started the line of Seth and Cain's children was multiplied on earth and Seth, Seth's children started to multiply too, as well as his siblings, um, <clears throat> they started to contaminate the bloodline. And what happened with the bloodline is that the children of Seth eventually started to get swayed down off the mountain too. So the point is they was, they've been doing everything in their power trying to just stop the um, coming of the Messiah and doing everything in their power to make sure the Antichrist come forth and gets full glory for something that they're not supposed to. Now, what I want to jump into now was Nama's uh, being Noah's wife, but we have here that she was Tubal-Cain's sister, and uh, that means that she was a descendant of Cain. Now, I couldn't tell you what Nama's spiritual condition was when she got on the boat, but I did do an episode on who was Cain's father, and I did say that she was definitely a descendant of Cain. The funny thing about it is when you do Nama and you see her in some places, here's the funny stuff. They're going to say that she was of the daughter of Enoch. But you see, it's just like how when they were, when I was doing the story of, um, who was I doing the story of? Oh, Dinah. And I was saying that her daughter was Asenath, and Asenath was a product of her and Sheshem, and that they didn't want her, the daughter, in the house. And so uh, the angel of the Lord, after jo um, Jacob said, you, you can't harm this child, put a piece of tin around her with the Lord's name on it and put her under a thorn bush, an angel came and put the baby in Egypt where the baby was adopted by Potiphar because his wife was barren. And that child later on became um, Joseph's wife. So in that way, it literally said in the history of the Jews, she was um, redeemed and put back under the house of Jacob. But Jacob is not her biological father. Jake, um, Sheshem is. And, and also you could say um, from whatever line, but it's just to say of whoever started the hierarchy or sometimes they said um, for Tamar, when I did the when I did the episode for Tamar and I was talking about Judah and Tamar, the real story, when they dragged her out of the house because they found out she was pregnant and they didn't know who she was pregnant by. That's why she didn't ha she didn't have time to find um the the, the signet and all um the, the mantle and all this. That's why she was praying, God help me find it, because she ain't have time. They drug her out the house and they put her there. And they said, But you're of the daughter of Shem. Now Shem is not her biological father, but she's from the line of Shem, meaning, you know, who is the head of the house that leads down to your lineage? So when they was talking about Nama in some of these books, they're saying that she's from that from the house of Enoch or from the uh from the she's a from the father from the her father is Enoch. But it's not the Enoch on our side. It would be the Enoch who was the first son of Cain, who he named Enoch. You know what I'm saying? So it's not, I think things get lost in translation. And in some places, they don't even say uh, Noah's wife's name. Like when they start talking about Noah in Genesis, they don't say her name. But we know later her name is Nama. Moving on. Now I want to see so much here. Uh, Torah.com. I wanted to read you all something from Torah.com. Uh, something that said, Cain, son of the fallen angel Samael. Again, I know that some people could be possibly hearing this from the first time. And I know that some people understand this. This is why I try to bring up the new stuff where it's uh, shown. It, it just is what it is now. I can actually clearly see 
why can't the sentence uh, genealogy was so short in the book, it kind of read like it should be more. Especially when his descendant, the last descendant, Lamech, said, if Cain should be avenged, then I should be avenged 70 times 70. Well, we're going to see how they're still being avenged because they're still here. Even if you want to say it's a spirit or whatever, they're still here. They're still operating, okay? It's still, it's still very much the tale of two cities. Now, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to come back and share with you all what I found there. Okay, so we're back, and we are on Torah.com, thetorah.com, and I'm reading from Cain, son of the fallen angel Samael. Okay, so it goes on to say that in the wake of banishment from Eden, Adam and Eve start their family. So in Genesis uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And the man knew Eve, the woman, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have gotten or created a man with YHWH. They're using their definition. They're using their translation. This is the Torah. I'm actually going to go to Genesis 4 and 1. And she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. It does say with the Lord. I guess their translation says with. Mine says from the King JV. It says, but why does Eve refer to her infant as a man or mannish? Would it not have been more natural to refer to him as a son? Even stranger as her claim that she produced this man with. Okay. And um, YHWH. Okay. Now we're going to go this way to down to where they started talking about. Um, they said no similar note marks with the birth of April. He's just born. And so it says in Genesis 4, 2, she further bore his brother Abel. They said noting the abruptness, abruptness of the note here, Genesis Rabbah suggests that Cain and Abel were twins, okay? She then bore another birthing, but not another pregnancy. So they do still contend that they could have been twins. Now, let's listen to this, even though the father could have been the serpent. Let's, let's keep going. It said, we are also not informed who named Abel or why his name was chosen. It said, it means breath, and it can have a connotation of vanity or nothingness at all. Okay, now we're just going to go on this way. Okay, now it says right here that the understanding is that Cain is the son of the divine being or the son of a divine being, a fallen angel who lusted after Eve, which honestly would not be so far-fetched to believe because they did that after. If, if, they, if it wasn't going to be with Eve, it was going to be with several women. They didn't just do it with one woman. They just picked two women. So ain't no telling, especially since they were upset. They had fallen. They never liked Adam. I know I know Satan himself did not like Adam because they, it was said that that was the reason why in Jewish history there was a, a war in heaven was because when God made heaven and earth and they created it in seven days and Adam, they thought that it was amazing that even though man couldn't die and, and, and could die and, or they didn't know if he could die yet, but he wasn't an angel and he wasn't infinite yet. They just thought that it was perfect in design. And they all like... um. Job said, the, the morning stars, they all rejoice. Everybody rejoice. It wasn't just one person that said, what is this? Y'all think this is so great what he did. And that's just a regular mortal person. They, they're they not even power. You know, I could do better than this. And I I can be better than God. It all started from something like that. You know, just not being impressed and just being too pride and boastful. And y'all should be worshiping me. And 
well, and a war broke out in, the, in heaven and somebody cast it down and you can't come back. And now the first thing you're going to want to do, if I'm the devil, if I had to go pick on something, I'm going to pick on these two. Okay. And I'm sure at some point along the way, God has a plan. You know, they, they overhear plans. They overhear things. Then the devil gets busy and goes to motion. And the first place they would have been running to is the garden to, to make them fall. But it's almost as if he had some kind of prior knowledge that I should just contaminate the bloodline. Okay, because I think that that's what it was. I don't think before before it was lust. I think it was for a little bit more than that. Maybe a combination of both. But anyway, it just says here that uh, the fallen angel who lusted after Eve, this idea was strengthened by the strange description of Cain being born a man by Abel's sacrifice being acceptable to God and by Cain's um, inclination to evil, culminating in the slaying of his brother. It says the Midrash opens with an allegorical reading to the Garden of Eden story. So the Midrash tries to say, what if the tree is to be likened like to a man and the garden is to be likened to a woman? And what if the phrase uh, in the midst of the garden means to her inner body in which the tree is planted? You know, kind of thing, meaning maybe in a metaphorical sense, when we talk about tree and fruit, we're not necessarily talking about a real tree. You know, what really happened there? That's that's the thing, because everybody's just like, well, there was a tree. And the tree, well, if we're talking about a real tree, we're talking about, if we're talking about real fruit, that's one thing. But if tree and a fruit, just, you know, you know, we all know that be fruitful and multiply, or fruit can mean different things, okay? So this is just from what they have to say on their side of the story. And yeah, I wanted to move on. Oh, don't. I did want to say this last thing. Now listen to this. It says the text then describes how Eve was impregnated by Samael in the guise of a serpent and then by Adam. It says he came to her. This is in, it says in uh, pre, P-R-E-21. This is supposed to be in the Midrash. Okay. This is Jewish books. They even show you the original text in the Hebrew and then translate it. He, Samael, came to her and she rode the serpent. Excuse me, my language, if it's offending anybody, this is what it's saying. He came to her and she rode the serpent and conceived Cain. Afterwards, Adam came to her and she conceived Abel, as it is said, and Adam knew his wife. What is meant by knew? He knew that she had conceived and saw his like and she saw his likeness that it was not of the lower beings but of the heavenly beings and she saw and said i have acquired a man by the lord okay so uh, it says yeah he knew what is meant by knew that she had conceived and she saw his likeness that it was not of the lower beings but of the heavenly beings and she saw and said I, she must have had a glow about her. Something about her must have said, ah, something went wrong here. Okay. And said so the Midrash wrenches the meaning of Genesis. <clears throat> wrenches the meaning of Genesis 4.1 from the plain sense. Adam knew in the cognitive sense that Eve had been impregnated by another, though Samuel is not mentioned by name. I'm going to tell you like this. I remember reading, and I did a whole episode on this years ago, the Lost Books, and I remember Adam and Eve was one of them. And I remember that when she did, we did say that she was pregnant uh, by the serpent or interpreted it that way. And I do remember that they said that Adam had went into deep, um, he had stayed away from her for a while, I think until she started to travail and, and labor. And then I think like she was in so much pain, because remember that was part of the 
curse that she was going to be in pain that um I think either he could hear her or an angel came and said she's you know you have to go and at least help her or something and he, and he went and then sometime after it, I think suppose like you got go got over it I'm going I'm paraphrasing it but I really do need to revisit that story I actually wish I did before I just I'm just remembering it now and um then came Abel you know wasn't really like too much explanation after except for that he wasn't you know and then after uh Abel I mean after they had Seth no, I'm sorry, they had Abel next. And then we all know what happened after that. Yeah, let me go back to what they were saying here because there's so much more I want to get to. <clears throat> okay. It says that it um is mentioned also in the same book that the Ark and the um fallen angel had taken on the body of the serpent and seducing Eve. Pretty much that's, that's how they look at it. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. It said, this does not stop Adam from having a child with Eve as well. It says, like a canine, I listen, this is what they're saying here on the Torah.com. It says, like a canine female that can conceive from different male dogs within one litter, Eve is depicted as having conceived Cain and Abel twins in the same womb by two different fathers. Upon Cain's birth, she recognizes that he is not of the lower beings, <clears throat> meaning human beings, or of the of, of human origin, but he is of the upper beings or the angels. Okay, so from Cain's birth, she could already tell he has he is from the fallen angels. Okay. Now I want to talk to you all about something that I looked up and I think this might help somebody because it helped me. I already knew that this was possible, but it, I, I immediately thought about it when I heard about this. Can two, can a woman have a set of twins? Can a woman have a set of fraternal twins? Not identical. If they're identical, it's the same father. Can a woman have a set of fraternal twins and have them fathered by two different males? And the answer is yes. Okay. It does not happen often, but it does happen. Actually, I believe The Guardian uh, did a study because I was just looking this up all tonight for you all. You can look it up as well. I'll even give you the name of the medical term. Oh, it says about 400 sets of fraternal twins are actually fathered by two different sets of males. Okay. And the name for this medical phenomenon is called heteropaternal superfecundation. So heteropaternal and then superfecundation is S-U-P-E-R-F-E-C-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N. Okay, and this is what science calls it when twins are fathered by two different fathers, fraternal twins though, okay? Because what you have with fraternal twins, the understanding is because the reason that identical is because identical twins start off with one egg that splits into two. That's why you have identical Fraternal, fraternal twins, on the other hand, is supposed to be either two eggs was released. No, not two eggs was released at the same time from one side or one egg was released from one side of the fallopian tube and another egg was released on another side. And coincidentally enough, both eggs became fertilized and it just so happened the mother happens to have been good. I know, hey, we're not judging here. But this is what happens, and it will be that one man's uh, sperm will hit one egg, and the other man's sperm will hit another egg. When they both land in and they plant and, you know, grow in the nine months, twins, yes, but I don't know that anyone would know unless it's a paternity test who the fathers are. You probably just think they just look different because they're fraternal. Now, 
there was a story on um, Upworthy.com in the last, well, I guess it was August 24th of 2020. It says Miracle Twins. I'm just sharing the title. I'm not going to go into the article. It just says Miracle Twins have different fathers and the dads couldn't be happier about it by Todd Perry. You know, so this is a thing. This is, this. you know, if to even try to make it seem like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. How can somebody be saying it's a real thing to this day? <laughs> so, all right, now we got to go on. So much I wanted to cover. I didn't close my book. What are we going to next? Ah, I need to jump back into Freemasonry for a second. Yes, I didn't do this. All right, so what next thing we have is the flood. So we know that the flood came and it wiped out Cain's descendants. Okay, but how did Cain's descendants survive the flood? Now, other than I already told you earlier, which was Nama, um, Noah's wife, who is Tupel Cain's sister, who is a descendant of Cain, and Cain is just of a fallen angel. I mean, you just want to just, you might just say a demon, okay? She got on, and uh, we, I can't remember, I have to go back and brush up to see who the the son's wives were, but at least we know one descendant was definitely on the boat. But meanwhile, while they were on the boat, you have to remember there was a lot of Nephilim that didn't die in the flood. The Bible is very clear that uh, there were giants in the earth before the flood and after the flood, which is why they kept running into them. Uh, the post-flood Nephilim tribes, if you wanted to look up uh, their names or even where you could find them in scripture, would be the Rephaim, the Emim, E-M-I-M, the Horim, H-O-R-I-M, and the Zamsumim. Z-A-M-S-U-M-M-I-M. And, of course, you have uh, the land of Og, Bashan, the Goliath. You know, this, just because they were gigantic, it means that they had a um, hybrid. It was, this, was, this was a hybrid race. There's a hybrid race of people that were still living amongst us. And I'm sure it's just still procreating. We just don't know where they went and procreated at. So, Tulu King, um, being the father, being the forefather of the blacksmith, that's what the Freemasonries hold on to. So, not only do they hold on to Hiram Abeth, but they hold on to um, Hiram's bloodline. And the, I mean, if you're going to follow your leader, you want to follow your leader all the way up to who was his parents, you want to know his history, they have followed him to uh, Tulu King. And Tulu King is a descendant of Cain. Not only do they uh, admire Hiram Abeth, but they they super admire Tubal Cain because they feel that he is the forerunner, okay, of blacksmiths because he's supposed to be the most legendary blacksmith. As a matter of fact, I was watching a YouTube video as I was doing my research in the night and I stumbled across some Masonic channels on YouTube because believe it or not, they have it and they want to help others understand all their legends, all their allegories and stuff like that. And I found something on Tubal Cain and the guy was sharing a legend on Tubal Cain where he was saying that... um. Tubal Cain, even though God had put the seal on him to not be hurt by anybody, was still very much afraid that people were going to come after him, okay, and kill him, and not only him, but his descendants. So he prayed to God and asked God for protection, which uh, they didn't say he got an answer back from God. The legend goes that something struck the earth from, from the heavens. You could say it was a meteor or something like that. And the next morning when Tubal woke up, he went out to where the the thing had crashed at. And it was um, open space filled with, like, the oddest heavenly metals that he'd never seen before. You know what I mean? But it just seemed like on sight he just knew what to do with it. And they said he fashioned two 
metal weapons that day. One was supposed to be the Sword of Excalibur. We all know the legend of King Arthur, which is really not supposed to be a legend. It's supposed to be. I, 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 some will tell you it's Moses, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the connection. We're going to talk about it one day. But that's a real thing. Excalibur sword is a real thing. And the second thing that he's supposed to have fashioned, according to their legend, I don't have this in scripture, is the spear, a specific spear that has his name on it. And it's supposed to be the spear of destiny. It's supposed to even have a spirit in it uh, or the spear of destiny or something of that. And they said that is supposed to be the spear that was later on used to pierce the Messiah. Now, how true that is, I don't know. But this is how they talk on their side. <clears throat> now, I went further on because i'm trying to figure out what do y'all know about it because i can't find too much i'm trying to figure out what is y'all legend saying more about tubal king and how it was that he survived so then i found a blog and i was going they got blogs honey they got everything i'm just sitting there being a little nosy person i didn't sign up enough i didn't really have to and this one is called above top secret okay this one is called above top secret and this is where the per people were just uh putting things in now i wanted to read to you this other theory of what they have here about Tubalcane. They try to help each other. So it says right here, um, Tubalcane, Doug, this is how they feel that he survived the flood. And I'm going to close out soon. Tubalcane. It says, Tubalcane dug into the side of a mountain and stayed there with his father. When the flood passed over, he came out and later had a son with Ham's wife, Nimrod, was indeed a descendant of Cain and named as a Mason in the old charges of our constitutions. Listen, this is me being a fly on the wall on these people's blog. That's where I'm getting it from. It is uh, abovetopsecret.com. Okay, somebody had typed up and looked it in. If you wanted to look, the name of this one was The Blood of Tubal the Great. This, I told you, Tubal the Great, because he... Cain, but Tubal, because he was the one that had found, I don't know, all the metals and learned the first blacksmith of all time. And, you know, they hold him in a very hard car because every time you turn around, they're supposed to be building something. But what are they building? Moving on. Then it's not about building nothing. It's about the, the, the knowledge that they had acquired, Cain and his line had acquired from the fallen angels. I don't even know that the meteor was sent from God that gave him all the metal. It probably was the angels. All I know is they said he prayed to God, and the next day there was a meteor that fell, and he had got all these powers from this meteor and all this other stuff, and he just started fashioning weapons under the guise of being paranoid that people were still going to come after him. Okay, now, it says here, after that person said all that, somebody had even attached a video. When I tried to click it, it was a private video. I could not see. It was like an hour long. It was supposed to go really in-depth onto uh, the history of him. Boy, was I, mm, wish I could have clicked on that. So after the last comment that this person made saying, I believe the line went into Egypt, talking about Tubalcain's line, after the flood, if I remember correctly, Egypt in the Bible is named the land of Ham. See how they just always trying to, <laughs> you know, they know their Bible though. And then somebody comments immediately after and says, 100% correct. They went down into Egypt at first and ruled from there. However, they were also responsible through Aser. Aser was supposed to be Semiramis' bastard child for beginning the Mesopotamian empires of Assyria and Babel. Okay, now it says then, this is there on their side, they're saying Shem, who identifies as Set, killed Cush, who was deified as Osiris, 
and cut him into 14 pieces. That's what Shem did. Shem, who's supposed to be the set of the Egyptian thing, killed Cush, mm-hmm. deified as Osiris, and cut him into 14 pieces for rebellion against God's government through Noah. Then it says Semiramis, Cush's wife, claimed Nimrod, her son, as the reincarnation of Cush and married him. So in other words, Cush equals Osiris, Semiramis equals Isis, Nimrod equals Horus, and Shem equals Set or Seth, okay, according to their side. The person said this trinity of deities have been recreated in all cultures across the earth when languages were confounded at Babel a few generations later. Then it says God bless. So in other words, uh, yeah, Nimrod's mother, what Nimrod's wife, what in the way? Yeah, it's, it's all weird like that. Semiramis, Cush's wife, claimed Nimrod, her son, as a reincarnation of Cush. Ugh. So because Semiramis looked as at Nimrod <laughs> like that was the reincarnation of Cush, they got into an incestuous relationship, just as the story says. Okay, and then they produce it. This is ridiculous. Absolutely. And then there's also this connection between Osiris and Hiram of Biff. And there's a connection with, with Nimrod and all these people. So this would lead me to sometimes believe this is are are they inhabited by spirits of Cain or the spirits of the fallen angels? Because it just seems as if they somehow always seem to share similarities even when they come around. You know, Nimrod. Then you have, oh no, yeah, this is too many connections here between Nimrod, Hiram Abiff, then you got Tubukin. Like, it has to be something going on here as far as, like, why every time they come around, they get so much power. And only thing you could think of is the lineage that goes back all the way to Cain, who goes back into a fallen angel. Now, I have more to say to tie this in. And this is the last thing that I'm going to say to help us all out. Um, when we look at Freemasonry, we know that there's two pillars, right? Two pillars that they hold in a high regard, one on the right side, one on the, on the left side. I think one has a sun and a moon on top. Don't don't quote me because I don't look at the image all the time. And then they have the famous um, Masonic checkered board floor on the bottom, right? So the two pillars have, there's a reason why they hold these two pillars in a high regard. And I'm going to talk to you all about that now. We're going to go into the book of Josephus. If I could even find where I had it. I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to p- come back with the... Uh, with the references that I have from the book on Josephus about these two pillars. And then for some reason, everything's supposed to be allegorical, metaphorical. But yeah, we know our book is real. And you all are building something that's supposed to be secret based on stuff. Okay, I'm on masonrytoday.com. And we're talking about the, the creation of the two pillars. So it says, in the first version of the creation of the two pillars, Seth's descendants, including Enoch and Lamech, led virtuous lives. It should be noted that Cain had descendants also named Enoch and Lamech. It says the descendants of Seth are credited with developing astronomy, the division of time into weeks, months, and years, both solar and lunar, and have evolved Hebrew characters. They were warned by prophecy of the end of the world. To protect the knowledge they developed, they inscribed the knowledge on two pillars, right? So they said both had identical knowledge in the hopes of, one or the other survived the destruction of the world. 
The first was made of brick and the other of stone. Okay, that was the first version that they have. <clears throat> they said in the other version, it says the descendants of Cain, the children of Lamech, who actually are the ones who developed the knowledge and inscribed the information on the pillows. Okay, so in the second version, it says that Cain, the children of Lamech, were the ones who actually developed the knowledge and inscribed the information on the pillars. Lamech married two women. The first was Ada. We knew that story already, okay? And it just said that Lamech's um, second wife gave birth to Tugul Cain, who we also know, and he became the father of tools and all of this. But it says in both message, um, in both stories, it just says that they understood that there was going to be a prophecy of the end of the world. They did not know whether it was going to be flooding or deluge or if it was going to be fire or burning. So the motivation for inscribing the information on two pillars was just to survive the flood and be able to get that information close flood, which is what they did. All right, y'all. Lastly, I just want to close out with some stuff from outside to back that up. And that's from the works of Josephus, the Antiquity of the Jews. This is book one, chapter two entitled concerning the prosperity of adam and the 10 generations from him to the deluge <clears throat> so this is chapter 2 verse 69 not at the beginning of 69 maybe two sentences in it says they talking about cain they also were the inventors of that particular sort of wisdom which is concerned with the heavenly bodies and their orders and that their inventions might not be lost before they were sufficiently known upon Adam's prediction that the world was to be destroyed at one time by force of fire and another time by the violence and quantity of water. They made two pillars, the one of brick and the other of stone. They inscribed their discoveries on both. That in case the pillar of brick should be destroyed by the flood, then the pillar of stone might remain and exhibit those discoveries to mankind and also inform them that there was another pillar of brick erected by them. Now, this remains in the land of Syria to this day. Now, in the book of Herodotus, he was uh, said to have seen these pillars, but by this time it was in Greece and Hermes had found them. It said that the Hermes of Greek legend is also like somehow was a late descendant of Shem. A few people were supposed to have found this and they had gotten to a few people's uh, wrong, it got to the wrong hands. That I do know. Okay. Now let me see. Yeah, so that's pretty much um, what it was. There was, there was some stuff. As a matter of fact, I don't even know that it was Cain's children that did this. This says here in the book of uh, Josephus, now that I'm looking at it, it was Seth's children. Yep. They was talking, it says Seth's children, because it says, um, now this Seth, when he was brought up, came to those years in which he could discern what was good. He became a virtuous man. And as he was himself of an excellent character, so did he leave children behind him who imitated his virtues. All these proved to be of good disposition. They also inhabited the same country without any dissension and in a happy condition, without any misfortunes falling upon them until they died. That's why then it says they were also the peculiar inventors of those wisdoms, which is concerned in heavenly bodies and the order. And at their inventions, 
and that their inventions might not be lost uh, before they were sufficiently known upon Adam's prediction that there were... Okay, so this was Seth's children. I know I'm, I'm tired. I'm reading all choppy, but this is Seth's children. I want to make a correction that, said, that Josephus is talking about Seth's children here. Now, remember, it says on their side that there's two accounts on the legend, that it was either Seth's children or that it was either Cain's children, but that there was two pillars that had ancient knowledge of heavenly bodies and things of that nature, old, old, all that old school mystery, old mystery religion, all that old ancient knowledge, and some of it not on the pillar, but we know that Cain's children, of just by bloodline DNA, DNA alone, can channel the dark side to get, okay, and we also know by now they have all the keys of Solomon, so it's just interesting to see just how much uh, Freemasonry goes hand in hand with what we're talking about today in the book. So you got Freemasonry, you got Hiram Abiff, you got Cain's children, and I'm just trying to figure out if none of this is all real. It's amazing because both sides seem to be proving each other. All right, before I leave, I just want to leave you all with this last gem from a website that says jasoncolavito.com, but I could only assume that he's in masonry and he created a site um, for people also in masonry who want more information to get it. Because it says here, today's topic is primarily for fallen angel or Nephilim completists, but it also answers a nagging question that has been lingering in the back of my mind for a long time now. The question wasn't really of any importance, but I'm glad to have solved it. So he started talking about last year, he was talking about a Masonic person named Matthew Cook and a manuscript he written. And then he just goes on to say the text, which purports to describe the craft of stone masonry from the dawn of time down to the middle of ages, contains a strange variant of a legend of the two pillars of wisdom. Famous from Jewish lore, these pillars, first mentioned by Flavius Josephus, were supposedly erected before the flood. Then it says in quotations, take your pick by Hermes, the Watchers, Nephilim, Seth, Enoch, Enosh, or whoever. They, they can't even, nobody can agree based on where, who actually set it up. But like I said... It says in the book of Josephus, it was Seth's people. It says on the other side, they have two legends. It could have been Seth. It could have been uh, Cain's people. And then here they just said they're not even sure anymore. Okay. But in order to preserve either divine science or the secret teachings of the fallen angels or the industrial arts from potential destruction by flood or flame, as Josephus put it in describing um, the astrological knowledge of the... Uh, progenity of Seth in book one of his antiquities. And this I have read to you all, that just so their riches would not be known that they put it on two pillars. So I just wanted to say that to close out, to just talk to you all about the pillars that they use. And see, all of it just still coming back to us and um, still just, you know, leading back. So while everybody in Masonry is not King's descendants, I'm, I'm not surprised at that either. Because it's very clear in the antiquities of the Jews that Israel was the only people when they had kings that actually went by um, lineage and descendants of bloodline. Whereas um, Esau and them, sometimes they just married into their lines of power or they would just like adapt into or become friends with somebody who would put them in lines of power. They don't always, always do things by bloodline. So if they're on top, Cain's children are somewhere mixed in with the top. But everything here on the bottom, everybody that's in that they're not, you know, what, what they're doing is being taught on um, the ideas of the children of Cain, teachings that basically is not of God or whatever the situation is, okay? And building really nothing because that entire side is just about New World Order stuff, especially the higher you climb if they're in it. 
So on that note, you guys, I appreciate you all for tuning in for another episode. And I will see you all next time here on Who's on the Lord's Side.